Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by Eli K25. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM, 97.5 HD2, part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Mr. Cohen, uh, how are you this week? Better than you. Uh, yeah, you asked me before. How's, we that, how's that for an easy answer? You, you asked me before the show what I want to talk about, mm. and uh, you said Eagles, and I said, not particularly. No, not really. Um, I'd rather wait just till we start with Coach Peichel. We've got Rutgers coach uh, Peichel joining us in a few minutes to talk some college basketball. All right, I guess we'll start with uh, the debacle that we saw in Tampa, which if you've listened to our you show... You can start off, with other games. It, 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 it's just the elephant in the room. <laughs> it, it, look, if you've listened to our the show... The elephant in the room. How's that? If you've listened to our show at all throughout the season, nothing that you saw in that game was surprising. Correct. Was any was anything at all that occurred in that game surprising? The fact that they could not pick up a blitz, that they did not have hot routes and had go routes when there were blitzers, the fact that they didn't have people able to cover anywhere across the middle because they don't value linebackers, the fact that I can't, they dropped I can't Hassan Reddick in defense. I can't remember. You could get. Yeah, you could keep talking. I, I could keep going. I just. I, I, I was. I was trying to save you from yourself. But if you want to keep days, talking, you go ahead. This is days later, and I'm not over it. <laughs> it. It was so predictable, and yet so maddening at the same time. I. I was at a loss for words. Yeah. Go ahead. I found them. You could talk to. <laughs> yeah, you apparently found your words. It's good for you. We're on the radio. I mean, if we could mime this, it would be a whole lot better. But the mimes probably would include one finger. So yeah. uh, the, the problem is, as far as I can tell, that everybody except the coaches knew what the problem was to the point I, that I cannot remember a game, a televised game, where the announcers we're pointing out time after time after time what the team was not doing. Yes. You got to how many runs were there in the first quarter? I mean, the first half, there were four, four. maybe four. And the first two went for two first downs. <laughs> like, so, so what's the point? I mean, all we heard all season was chance of run the ball, especially the last seven games. And yet Nick Sirianni and, and his offensive counterparts, decided not to run the ball and there's no reason it's not like you were playing a a stout run defense no we weren't and you know a couple of the players we came, look at look at you we this is the this is the one week that you do not want to be no not at all i mean the eagle. collective some of the players said that they were doing things to make it difficult to run i i have a bigger problem with what the play calling was in general. There was nothing to set up anything else. There continued to be no motion. They throw the... Wait, 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 time out. You you, you can't just gloss over this. The, the, you're going to sit there and just accept the fact that the some of the players said that the other team was doing something that would prevent them from trying to run the well, ball? Look, if and you, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm going to be a jerk right now, okay? I just went to a national championship game with a you team a that ran the ball down the other team's throat that did that time after time. And you keep going. If you have the offensive line that the Philadelphia Eagles have put together over the last few years and your answer is, OK, we tried and we weren't successful and we gave up on it. I'm still not buying it. If you attempted it 
four times. There is just a complete lack of of being genuine. You you know suggest that 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 was okay. You know that I'm not like trying to come off as it's okay that they went away from no, the run. No, I'm but just when saying let's did... not let's not gloss over something that was so pathetically uh, drafted up. Yet also by the offensive crew. Yet also was predictable because it's what they've done all season. They never found an identity. Their identity Andy was Reed runs more than this group. Their identity was let's take a big shot. And that's what the offense was. And so instead of running any slants or things across the middle, the one slant they ran by accident, uh, they ended up having a 46 yard completion to Devonte Smith. That was an, like an yeah. accidental. Slant yeah, but you're, you're, you're asking a team that's missing its number one wide receiver to take a big shot all the time with a quarterback the that had a dislocated anybody, finger. Anybody who has ever watched a single football game knows that in order for the pass to work for the big shots, you set it up. You've got to open it up by running the ball, even if you don't get yardage running. Yes. The ball. They didn't even try. No, it was infuriating. I'm just going to keep saying this over again. They didn't try. It was, and if, you're, if I'm an offensive lineman, I am pulling out what's left of my hair, going, going and figuring out why it is that they didn't trust this offensive line, it, this stellar offensive line, to run the ball behind the best running quarterback in a decade, which with likely won't be this. Running, with a pretty good stable of running backs, it makes no sense whatsoever to say that we we just saw some things. Yeah, no, I look. You know, I agree with you. Okay. Now I'm annoyed. I, fine, cool. I agree. Congratulations. With you. I, I'm there with you. I I didn't bother you during the game. I was too busy throwing things at the TV. But including again, your phone, probably none of it was surprising. That is what's so frustrating. Everybody knew that they were going to blitz them. They had no solution for the blitz run or not. There was no solution. There were 10 clear, unprotected blitz hits against Jalen Hurts in that game. You can't have that. You can't go empty backfield. You can, when, but then you lose. Yes. Well, that's exactly what happened. And that's why Tampa will be playing in Detroit this weekend for a chance to move on. They got destroyed by a Baker Mayfield led team. Yes. A team that put up nine points the week before against the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. It just. Well, 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 well. Uh, Yeah, but nobody cared about that. I understand they did to get in the playoffs. They did. Uh, Okay, but but and still put up nine points. I'm not I'm not judging that. I'm judging an entire season of Baker Mayfield not being a stud quarterback. So it seems now, I mean, you kept asking me, we've got Coach Peichel in a couple minutes. We'll we'll stop that and we'll keep it up after. But it seems as of right now that Nick Sirianni is going to stay the coach and they're looking for new coordinators. That surprise you? Doesn't surprise me still. Are, bo- are both coordinators definitely gone? They have to be. I don't I mean, know the how off- they- the, the offensive coordinator has been atrocious all season. And yet he's the defensive coordinators only had a chance to be atrocious for, for half a season. And, and yet but the offensive Matt Patricia's biggest sin, um, besides the pencil on the ear, it, it, it is he turned Hassan Reddick from a prime pass rusher into a drop back coverage guy, making him basically a ghost on the field. I, I am so confused by that. I, I am. What a, what a genius. Like at some point do people, again, 
I'm going to be kind of a jerk here. I, I get at least a, a whole week to gloat on. This. this is way more than a week. J- Jim Harbaugh, not my favorite person. No, you know what he's going to do, but he doesn't sit there and think he's a genius and come up with new stuff. He just usually runs bad plays. Matt Patricia decided somehow that he was going to create something out of Hassan Reddick that nobody, including Hassan Reddick, wanted to be. I don't understand. I'm still, we're days later, and I'm still very confused by it. Uh, I would like. When, when will you not be confused? When is anybody not going to be confused? This, that's the frustrating part of this, is, is now you have to have faith that somehow they're going to see the error of their ways. But they turned a 10-in-1 t- season into a disaster. Now, I'd like to point out, during that 10-in-1 run, they were still yeah. that same flawed team. They were winning, but they were a flawed team. No, but they season. got worse. They did. They, 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 they were a flawed team who got progressive. The Niners, the Niners broke them. <laughs> the Niners game broke them. Like Whatever aura or feel they had, something changed after that game. I don't and know. By the way, and by the way, I would argue that that as good as the 49ers have been and that that was the team that broke them, the Packers have a pretty good chance this weekend. They do. They Look, I told you all along, I thought of the matchups. I thought that uh, playing the Bucks was the best chance they had. I didn't think playing the Rams because I didn't think they'd cover those wide receivers. I mean, Green Bay, look, you know I hate when I talk fantasy. I had... Jordan Love and Jaden oh, Reed Lord. on my fantasy team this year. I have followed well, very that's closely. that's why he got better. No, but <laughs> in the growth of him during the season, because I, it was funny, Jordan Love wasn't my starter. Kirk Cousins was. Cousins went down, and I had no choice, and all of a sudden, Love emerged, and what he's been doing the last couple of weeks, what he did last week isn't anything new. He's been doing that for weeks now. He's just yeah, been but the carving inter- up the interest, teams. The interesting thing to look at the, as this playoff matchup comes is that the San Francisco 49ers run a lot of zone defense, and Jordan Love has been carving up zone defense. Absolutely. Can the Niners get pressure on him to to break that up? Any other matchups? I mean, it was loud in Detroit last week. The, the Bucks will play the Lions there. Look, do you think the Lions move on? I do. I, I, I think there's a chance that you have a Lions-Packers. AFC championship. I mean, NFC championship. That'd be a physical. That would be a really interesting matchup. Uh, before coach the comes big, on. The big matchup, though, this weekend is the matchup that we've had for the last few years, which is the Bills and Chiefs. Just in Buffalo. This time, it's in Buffalo. And the first time Mahomes. Which might be road. warmer than it was in Kansas City. Pretty sure this is Mahomes' first road playoff game in his it career, is. actually. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see how they play. The weather, again, is is questionable. There could be lake effects. No, they moved the game last week. I mean, I think that's not in Buffalo. That's not questionable. That's expected. That's expected. Yeah, uh, it's only here that we have two inches of snow and the whole world comes to a stop <laughs> at the same time that the Texans play the Ravens. Uh, you give the Texans any shot against the Ravens? I do. I think the Texans played really well last week. And I, I don't see the Ravens as a team that's going to run away from anyone. I mean, Lamar Jackson is really good. Their offense isn't great. Their they signed Dalvin Cook this week. They, they signed Dalvin Cook. I mean, look at everybody. You know what? Dalvin Cook a couple of years ago was really good. Dalvin Cook the last couple of years has not been. Yeah, not so it. I'm not I'm not particularly worried. And plus, he's not going to be able to learn the entire offense. It's going to be a limited number of plays that he's going to understand. 
All right, let's leave it there and let's go to an interview with Coach Peichel. We'll come back to it. Joining us off a huge overtime win last night at the rack against Nebraska, a team that came in 13-4, and Rutgers coach Steve Peichel. Coach, welcome back to the show. Guys, I appreciate you having me on. And it was, uh, it was a long night last night, but as a college basketball fan, just a fantastic game. Like, just a, a really good, well, uh, well coached uh, by, by both teams, I thought. And, uh, you know, just an exciting, exciting win for us, and we needed it. It, it. The rack was loud. I mean, Jeff's been to games there. We've talked about that before. I want you to talk about your team's aggressiveness, both on offense and defense. You had 56 rebounds. That's the most ever for... The programs they've been in the Big Ten at the same time on defense. You had two stretches where you held Nebraska seven minutes scoreless. Talk about just how physical you guys were able to be and and kind of dominate that game a little bit. Well, I will tell you, you know, we, we've we've gotten healthy. We've had you know some injuries. We started the year without one of our best players, Moat Mag, and he's rounding himself back in. He's real physical and a, and a really good defender. Um, you know, in early in the season, we just weren't rebounding the basketball that well, to be quite honest with you. And now, as our team's evolving a little bit, we're really doing a great job. We had 25 offensive rebounds last night against a good rebounding team, um, Nebraska. Is talented offensively and, um, you know, has some terrific scores all the way around, but they're a real physical basketball team too. So, um, you know, our league hardens you up that way. You better be tough and, and you better rebound. We missed a lot of shots too. So you got more opportunities to rebound, but we're starting to find our identity a little bit and, and the rack at Jersey Mike's arena. Now they call it, but it, the rack is, is, is been a real home court advantage. Our students come out their back from their break and it's just a fun place to go watch, you know, uh, basketball. And uh, last night was just a fantastic game, you know, to watch as, as, a, as a basketball fan. You know, Coach, you talked about the 25 offensive rebounds. Offensive rebounding is not is a skill that or an art that seems to have been lost in college basketball and pro basketball. It's a lot of shooting threes and everybody dropping back. What is it about the way that you're coaching the team and the, and the, and the players that you've brought in? that has brought about this kind of, of group of players, a group of players that, that don't give up after the shot goes up. Yeah, I will tell you, I was blessed. I played for, you know, Hall of Fame coach, Coach Calhoun at University of Connecticut. And I was there prior to all the great players. We were just kind of blue-collar players when I was there. You know, guys that were under the radar. And uh, one thing we learned how to do was, you know, tenacity to rebound and, and, and get after the ball. And, you know, he always said this 95% of college basketball games are one, you know, on the backboards. They really are. And, and uh, we were able to win one last night, you know, because of that. Uh, but you have to have those kind of players too. You know, Cliff, um, certainly one of the best big guys in, in, in the country, but, you know, went after rebounds last night. Mawat Mag, Andre Hyatt, we got some size. Um, but we, we had a pursuit last night that we haven't had um, prior. prior, And um, we're starting to figure that end of the floor out and, and, and offensively and defensively. And it's been a big boost for us. How much do you enjoy coaching in the Big Ten with, with this physical style of play? Uh, I will tell you the Big Ten, you know, challenges us coaches. You know, we had two days to prepare. You leave Hall of Fame coach Tom Izzo at Michigan State um, and preparing for them and the way they play. And then you come and play a team that shoots threes at every opportunity 
you know, in Nebraska and, and Fred Hoiberg being one of the, you know, NBA coach and, and a terrific, you know, coach in his own right. And, and now you got to jump on a plane and leave for Illinois and how Illinois plays a, a ranked team and how good they are at home. Um, it challenges you. It challenges your staff. It challenges your players. It's different styles. It's coaches that have been highly successful, the Fran McCaffrey's of the world and the Chris Holtman's, you know, so every game brings a whole different, you know, set of keys and a different mindset that you got to take with your players and, and, and your players have to soak in that game plan in one or two days prep. So it's challenging. I, I love it. I think it's great. Um, you know, if you're really a basketball fan, you get to see every different style you can imagine and, and, and programs and coaches that are really hard, you know, to prepare for. And, uh, you know, I love the challenges of the league and, and it's, you better be on top of your game and your players better be on top of their game. You know, I wanted to ask you about sort of building the team. You guys took a preseason trip to Senegal, and you've got three players on the team who were from who are from Africa: Mawat Mag, Cliff Mori, and Manuel Ogbali from Nigeria. What's it like to to take players back there? You had a quote that sometimes can, guys complain about their eleventh pair of sneakers, and this is a village where people don't have <laughs> shoes. What's it like to take your guys there and show them perspective as you're getting ready to bond as a team like that? I mean, I thought, first of all, just a fantastic, like, educational uh, trip. I mean, a third world country, um, you know, that our players, you know, were excited about, you know, learning the culture and, and Cliff and, and uh, Big Emmanuel and, and Mawat were telling our guys a little bit about their experiences and, and then to get to live it. Uh, I thought was unbelievable. I mean, it starts with a series of shots. You have to be tough. Like a lot of people don't go to Africa. You start with malaria pills and yellow fever shots and everything else. And I think that was probably the hardest part of the trip, but that was the best bonding too. Um, you're hit adversity before you even got on the plane. Um, and then when you see how happy the people were in the car, and how little they have. They don't have phones. They don't have shoes, most of them. They have a soccer ball for the most part and a field that they run around in or the beach. Um, you know, I think our guys got a really good perspective of, you know, how, how blessed we are um, when they complain, like I said, about their 11th pair of shoes. You, you know, um, this gave a whole different perspective to them. And, and for the players that first time they traveled out of the country to go to Africa, um, and to spend time there and to go on a safari and to see the history and to see how other people, you know, live. But, but what I most learned from that trip was how happy they were. They were giving us everything, anything that they had. They were just very giving people. And I've recruited Africa for 32 years and had never been. So it was a great perspective for me to understand where our players have come from and some of the uh, obstacles that they've had to overcome to get to our country. Coach, the, the, these are not athletes. These are student athletes. And I think people lose sight of that so often. The fact that they get to go over there and and we've talked to athletes, professional athletes that have done similar things early in their lives. It, it leads to players and student athletes who later become people who give back to their community. How important is it for you? the student part of the student athlete and making sure that they are real, well-rounded men? Oh, uh, I mean, huge importance. And, and, and that's a great statement that you made B before we went on the trip, Cliff Omore, you know, had a sneaker drive, um, at our school. And I, I didn't realize what, 
the importance of that. Uh, and it was before we actually went on the trip and he got about 800 pairs of sneakers that he sent home to Nigeria, you know, to his village that he lives at. And he told me how appreciative they were of that. And at the time, you know, Cliff did all the work and, and to get a thing like that, you know, accomplished. And then a year later we go over there and I see how many people didn't have sneakers and didn't have shoes and, and that kind of thing. And I just think he was already a step ahead of us in those areas about thinking about others and, you know, about being good people. Like we graduate all of our players. It's very important. I want them involved in the community. They're involved in student groups. They go to other games on campus. They support the other student athletes. And I think that's why Jersey Mike Serena now is, is full. They get to know our players. Our players appreciate the community. The community comes in, in, and supports us in our program. And, you know, I think they learned a lot of lessons that way, you know, life and, and the kind of person you are and the kind of student are, you, you know, are going to last a lot longer than your basketball playing abilities. And, um, you know, I think our, our players do that at a high level as evidenced by Cliff having a sneaker drive, you know, what junior in college is deciding to do that and ship it all home to, you know, the village that he's from. So um, great lessons learned and, and, and lifelong lessons. You know, we we talk about everything that you guys are doing off the court. On the court, you've got the players that are there, and then you've got the excitement around what's coming next, too. And, and those guys have been there along with the football team, watching the games, the other teams watching the basketball games. Talk to us about the excitement around Dylan Harper and Ace Bailey. I mean, we're, we're doing interviews with NBA reporters, and they're commenting to us about your recruiting class. Talk to us about the excitement of what we have coming so, in the future. I mean, well, I, I will tell you, you know, there's always excitement in, in, in the future. Um, you know, with the guys that we've signed, and we've signed a bunch of guys coming into this program, they're first and foremost like wonderful people um, and talented, talented basketball players. Who, who had choices to go anywhere in the country, and they, and they picked Rutgers. And, and part of the reason is, A, we're a top 15 academic institution in the country. And the other part is the environment that Jersey Mike's has created, um, you know, and the people that we have in our program. And, and so we couldn't be more excited. I mean, we've, you know, got, have kids coming in that not only talented, but hardworking from great families. Um, they want to go and get a degree, but they also want to continue playing professional basketball beyond college. But, uh, but I'm really, you know, excited, excited about the class in its entirety. Um, you know, just talented, you know, talented individuals that work and that want to be part of something that's going to be real special. So, uh, you know, to have those kind of kids say yes to us just, just bodes well for the future. Hey, Coach, for two guys that have grown up in Jersey, there seems to be a re resurgence in Jersey basketball. It's it's Rutgers, it's Seton Hall, and then even over the river with St. John's, there seems to be a resurgence in the area. How does that help with recruiting to have a bunch of teams in the area all having this resurgence at once? Well, I tell you what, there's always been like really good tradition. Obviously, you got Princeton up the road, and how about the run that – St. Pete's had in the NCAA tournament when Shaw was there and FDU last year, um, you know, winning games in the NCAA tournament. So got a lot of great coaches um, and there's a lot of really good high school programs. There's a lot of good high school players. Um, and we're trying to keep some of those guys at home. And I and, and, uh, think that's been very important too to our program. But, um, you know, when basketball is good and, and the job that Shaw's done at Seton Hall and, um, you know, continues to do, you know, when basketball, 
basketball is good and we're playing each other. These rivalries are great. I think it's just great for, you know, all the fans. And we are very knowledgeable fans in New Jersey. New Jersey's a tough, you know, state. Like, they, they know their basketball and uh, and they appreciate it. So it's been great. It's It really has. It. And, and, and a lot of the programs should be really proud that they've elevated you know, the talent and expectations around, um, you know, Division One basketball in the state of New Jersey. I feel like each time we talk to you, there's different changes in college sports, whether it's the realignment that's going on, NIL, Transfer Portal. I don't need you to get into the details. Obviously, with challenges comes opportunities. What are some of the challenges with the Transfer Portal, but also the opportunities and, and with NIL and everything else going on right now for you as a coach that you have to encounter and the yeah. players as well? Yeah, I mean, it is challenging times for sure. It's changing, but, you know, you got to continue to evolve. Um, the portal, certainly COVID, when you factor that into, that's changed with the portal because now kids have more eligibility. And then NLI, it, it, you know, um, um, that name, image, and likeness is, is, is a big part of the conversation, you know, with kids in the portal. So, um, you know, you got to find that balance because you know you can't just go to schools you still have to go to schools for the right reasons to be coached um to get a degree uh, you, you know and all those kind of things but now you have the added you know responsibility of, of, of if a kid can make money off of his name image and likeness you got to have those opportunities available too so it's always challenging you, you know at times you still want to find players that want to be at your university and be a part of your program, but you got to grow with that. You, you know, and name, image, and likeness is here. It's here to stay, and you, and you better be on top of the times too. So, very challenging times, but uh, exciting times too. Do you find name, image, and likeness is something that's helped with recruiting, or is it something that has been more of a challenge? And, and, and if you could change one thing with it, what would you do? I mean, I think it's great for students. I was a student athlete. I wasn't, you know, I was room boarding books. That was what our scholarships were uh, back in those days. I didn't have any opportunity to use my name or to use my basketball skills to get me a few dollars here and there on the side. You know, so I'm all for, the, you know, the betterment. I, I wish, you know, last year we lost some players at, you know, some unique times. So, you know, the timing of, when the portal closes and all those kind of things, I think is, is very important. You know, um, you know, I think it's very, very important um, to keeping the continuity of your program. Um, so that would probably be the only thing I changed, but I've embraced it. I think it's been great for our players. I think it's great for these other players to have these opportunities, you know, to speak to businesses and to, you know, be, build their own brands um, around their basketball abilities and their academic abilities and, and, and their personalities. So I love that part of it. You know, the hard part is just, you know, not knowing what your roster is going to look like and just having guys be able to move on at, at a moment's notice. So that's just been the challenging part of it. All right. Well, coach, as, as a kid who grew up down the road from from what I will always refer to the rack, even though it does make me hungry every time you say Jersey Mike's arena, uh, there are changes <laughs> coming to the rack. Uh, are you excited about these changes and do you anticipate that it will continue to be the loud arena that we all know and love? 
we don't want that to change at all. Um, I love uh, the, the way the arena is. I love the people that come. I love the acoustics in the arena. Um, so hopefully that never changes. If they can upgrade some of the amenities and make it better for the you know fan base, that's tremendous. And, um, you know, I think those things are coming down the road, but really excited about what we've been able to build. And Jersey Mike's one of the toughest any percentage over the last five years got to be one of the tops in college basketball. I'm thankful for the environment. Don't want to tamper with it too much. <laughs> no, not at all. And you don't want to give up home games to do the improvements. So I know it may be a phased in thing. Look, e- either way, however it does, Jeff and I can't wait to get back up to the rack to see a game. And we wish you continued success as, as you navigate this crazy schedule and continue to build this program. Thanks for always giving us a little bit of time <clears throat> to talk about it. Guys, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much. You guys have a great night. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, Before we move on, it will never not be the rack to me, Jeff. It will always be the rack, but it is fun to have a coach like that coaching my team. I grew up down the road from the rack. The New Jersey Nets actually played at the rack for a year. So I'm with you. The rack is a beloved arena, even for those of us that didn't go there. I am excited to see what they do with some of the, the facility improvements, though. I mean, they've talked about filling in the student section there, um, but you don't want to lose the feel. It's a special type of feel in that building. You don't want to lose the atmosphere when you do it, but looking forward to see what they do. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. <laughs> Leave it alone. That's my thing. Okay. I, I, every, you know what? I, don't it, fix it. it if it, When I was at Pitt, they had a, they had a, a small arena as well and they they tore that down and it was that place was loud as can be and created this very fancy what they call the convocation center not the same no not the same you, at you all. just can't like you can't improve the palestra no you know, it, it's it's those kinds of things yes i understand that you want luxury boxes and you want fancy this and that and the other thing but it's a college basketball arena and it's supposed to have that kind of feel I agree with you. Uh, before Coach joined us, we were talking um, some pro football. Um, we're not going to rehash the Eagles. We talked the Eagles coach, though, but we didn't talk. <laughs> Why? Your tear ducts have dried up from all the tears. <laughs> still not over it. Um, it's going to take me a while. To... All right. Well, I can cheer you up a little bit. Ready for this? Are you going to try or is this just yeah. a snarky No, I, I think this will work. Okay. Ready? McCarthy's staying with the Cowboys. That made me very happy. It See was that? Look, like, you're smiling. It's kind of like last year when Daniel Jones signed a long-term extension with the Giants, and I told oh, you I was me. happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> with the news that my, like, literally, I was texting. I go a, to cheer you up, and this is what you do. I, I was texting. This a, is what you do with that I was texting a friend during the uh, Dallas playoff game when they were getting blown out by Green Bay saying, the only bad thing about this is that Mike McCarthy will go now. And like, I just wanted him to stay there forever. And thank you, Jerry Jones, for making that continue to happen. Jerry Jones is only comfortable with Jerry Jones things. And one of the things you can always count on is Jerry Jones doesn't want anybody who's going to steal his thunder. So he would rather have no thunder 
than he would actually have somebody else. I mean, look, look what he did with, with the last coach or not Jimmy Johnson. So not the last coach to win a Super Bowl, but the last coach to really put a team together to win a Super Bowl. How long did it take to honor him in the Ring of Honor? There, I know you're Decades? right. There have been a lot of surprises in terms of coaches that were let go, Mike Vrabel, stuff like that. Nobody really is surprised that Belichick moved on. Is it more surprising the Cowboys didn't move on from Mike McCarthy after that disaster? Uh, you know, it's going to be amazing that Belichick doesn't, and it looks like he's not going to. He obviously isn't going to end up with the Cowboys. It looks like he's not even going to end up with the commanders he's got which is a, where i thought would be a good place for him he's got a second interview with the falcons apparently he and arthur blank had a heart to heart one-to-one apparently and so be interesting if he ends up there looks like your boy jim harbaugh has been out in san and uh, i keep calling them san diego they're always san, gonna diego. Be san diego i i'm always gonna refer they will to them always san diego. well that's yeah. the only way i'll still like them is if they're the san diego chargers what but. do you think he does you think he goes to the chargers or he takes i don't know i really can't tell anymore million dollar it, deal that apparently michigan is offering him no i mean look there there's all sorts of rumors out there the latest was that Jim Harbaugh wants a guarantee that he's not going to get fired and that Ward <laughs> Manuel isn't going to be the one that makes a decision if he does, if he gets accused of doing something wrong, that it's an arbitration panel. You know, they keep talking about Jim Harbaugh wants to be loved. Becoming the highest paid college coach, he just had a parade, he won a national championship. He was a Heisman Trophy runner-up at the very school that he's now coaching. I don't know what more love you think you're going to get. So I'm not, I'm not buying any of this at all. I don't know where he ends up. I know that it is his dream to go back and win that Super Bowl that, that he came up short against his brother with. I think, I think he goes. I think that there's nothing. If, if he really had a passion for staying in Michigan... He would have signed that deal already. I agree with you. I think that he wants to be loved by an NFL team that will love him. And if it, if not this year, then what? A fifth year of playing footsie with college? But, but, guess, but guess what? All it takes is one bad year in the NFL and nobody loves him. I agree with you. Uh, last one where there's actually been a decision. Were you surprised that the Patriots went with Gerard Mayo? Been on staff? I, I can honestly say I know nothing about him. Well, he was a Except player. Except for the there. fact that you heard you you've now heard that Tom Brady said years ago that Gerard Mayo was was Belichick's guy. Yeah, and look, he's been so, on that staff for years. Uh, did you happen to see the introductory press conference that they did? I did. Uh, I found his answer very eye-opening and honest when they asked Bob Kraft if, if he about seeing color and he said i don't and they asked Gerard mayo he said i do see color because i believe if you don't see color you can't see racism mm -hmm. I, I found that very candid and honest i wish more people would speak that way frankly <laughs> i mean but you have more sports and people in sports speaking that tomlin speaks that way all the time you surprised that tomlin's staying no no it's the steelers the steelers have had three coaches in my lifetime Okay. They have had three coaches in more than a half century. Who do you think ends up in Washington? And and, and by the way, where do you, it, do you were you surprised because you thought they would get rid of him, or were you surprised because you thought he was done? I thought he was done. It just seemed like this season was a slog for him. 
It was, but but here's the problem with the Steelers, and I, I only lived there for a short time. I lived there for three years. Is the Steelers for they had Ben Roethlisberger since Ben Roethlisberger? It's been a few years now. What two, three years now? And it's just mediocre quarterbacks. And by the way, it's never been the Steelers' way to like go out and get a star quarterback. Terry Bradshaw turned out to be one. Um, but he was surrounded by just a multitude of Hall of Fame talent. Ben Roethlisberger was not drafted at the top of the first round, um, and he turned out to be a very good quarterback surrounded by a multitude of talent. The question is whether or not Tomlin's exhausted from not having a star quarterback while you watch star quarterbacks all around you. You have in that division Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and I guess you could say Deshaun Watson, but I'm not giving them that <laughs> Joe <credit>. Flacco. Yeah, <laughs> Joe Flacco. <laughs> but if, if I'm Tomlin, Tomlin keeps putting together great defenses, and you have receivers, you have two really good running backs, you have good offensive line, you need a quarterback. If he has a quarterback, that team is at the top of the AFC. We'll see if they get one. I'm, I am curious what Washington ends up doing because – Changing I, their name? Well, I know that they're not this year, but they will. They won't be the commanders long. You you know Josh Harris. That that's why I'm surprised that Bill Belichick hasn't been in for an interview, because I know what Josh Harris likes. What the is headline. Josh Harris? He like? wants to win the headlines. Ex exactly. So if you were going to win the headlines of this of the coaching cycle during the playoffs, wouldn't that be the way? I've been very surprised that he hasn't been brought in, and I'm not sure who the sexy name is that will make the splash to get the headline there. It's not, I mean, they have draft picks, they have cap space, they have an ownership group that wants they're to do gonna, things They're going to get a top-line quarterback in the draft. Yeah, I mean, you would think so. Look, I mean, you want to talk about winning the headline, we'll leave the football talk there. The Sixers won the headline Tuesday night with Jokic in town and beat Played back to back, I was shocked that he played. I was too. When when he, when they announced that he was playing in the game on Monday afternoon, I thought for sure. Well, I guess he's he's ducking Jokic, but he didn't duck him. No, and not only did he not duck him, he he dominated them. I mean, put up forty one points. He and can you can we just rewind just for a second and go back to the end of last week? Because I went to the Sixers game on Friday night. Mm -hmm. No Embiid. Tobias Harris. Why can he not play like that all the time? He was aggressive and more aggressive and more aggressive. And when he is, he looks like the guy that the, of the contract they signed him to. Well, and I don't, I don't understand why he does not play like that all the time. Shaq said that on Tuesday night on the TNT broadcast, they kept saying, well, they need a third star. And he said, it's Tobias Harris. He just has to play like that. And he put up 24 points Tuesday night, but generally he hasn't been as aggressive and deferred when Maxi and Embiid are in the lineup. You need to have that. Have you been surprised by the Tobias Harris turnaround? Because earlier in the season, he looked kind of lost out there, and he wasn't doing much. There were stories. I mean, we talked with Keith about it last night. He had a story, or not last night, last week. Uh, he had a story earlier in the season about Tobias Harris has to be a player, and he wasn't at the time type thing. Are you surprised by He's more no, because he had a because he had a new coach that was putting in a new system, and that system takes a little bit of time. And Nick Nurse has been patient with him, as he has been with a lot of the players. What I'm confused at is the rotation at center. 
So when what I saw last week when Embiid wasn't in was a Mo Bamba who is more than serviceable when he is in there. He is a defensive presence. That's not the Mo Bamba that I saw the Saturday night before when they played yeah. Utah. He looked lost out there. So we saw different Mo Bambas. And, and from the way that Nurse runs the rotation, that's where I think, you know, I don't know that he, that Daryl Morey is going to go star hunting at the deadline or anything like that. I don't know that there's going to be stars out there. We can talk about, Pascal well, I was going to say, we can talk that about that in a second. But I think a backup center. Somebody who is a little more reliable no. in that rotation no. is somebody they're no, going to look I, for. I think that Mo Bamba is, if he is given regular minutes, even when MB plays, I think that he could be really good. Paul Reed, not so much. He just looks confused. He's always looked confused. That's always right. been the issue. Uh, is, so I'm just not buying it. I thought I thought when Nurse was hired, the idea was to make Paul Paul Reed like a wing. Or make him like a four. A four. That's what I thought. He's, he's, he's not, not a center. center. <laughs> he is he's not a center. Not. That that's clear. You know, somebody though who continues to just blossom out there is Tyrese Maxey. And I mean, you made. I, I'm wrong a lot. I admit it. You made fun of me for being on him early, early on. Yeah, but I, it's not like I said that he's bad. I, I just said you, you were on him before anybody really needed. There was no basis to be on him other than he had a couple flashes. If you watched him, there was basis to be on him. No. I did not think he would be. I'm not buying it. This and the way that he's able to like contort his body towards the rim and, and hang up there and take the contact. He still doesn't really get the calls. He doesn't get the calls of a super star yet no and i'm not sure how long that's gonna take for that to come but man. The, but the other thing that he does the, to not get the calls is when he even when he drives to the basket he doesn't continue to drive he falls off to the side or falls back and then takes the shot he needs to lean in to those fouls. to make more contact. Now he won't make as many of the circus shots if he does that because more of them will be blocked as he does it. But if you want to get more of the calls, you got to continue your progression to the hoop instead of falling off to the side. I I haven't been sure of what the rotation is going to be because so many guys have been in and out. Furcon. Well, so many guys have been in and out of the lineup <laughs> with injuries. I mean, right now you got DeAnthony Melton out at least a week with his uh -huh. lumbar issue. Robert Covington has been out, what, like two weeks Forever. now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Daniel House Jr. is out. Uh, so I'm not sure. I don't know what Maury's going to look for at the trade deadline. And like you kind of said, who's out there? You saw Pascal Siakam move this week to the Pacers. Do you like that move? They gave up a lot to get him. Do I like the move for who? For I don't like it. Indiana. I don't like it for the Sixers. I don't look. Do you see the Pacers? Being a team that's going to to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, I think they need to make with another Siakam, move. I think no. they need to make another move. I, I don't. I don't think with what they have, they can do it. I am interested in potentially. I don't think they have chips to move. I am interested potentially in Bruce Brown, who went to the Raptors. I wouldn't mind a player like that coming off the bench for the Sixers. I, you know, I think those are the type of moves that the Sixers are going to look to make. Kind of strength. I think the those bench. are the only moves that the Sixers can make. They they don't have chips to make a big well, they, splash. They can, but they don't want to. They do have chips. They have expiring Who? contracts. They have they have expiring Who? contracts and money, so they can facilitate trades and Who? pick up picks. Who? Who? 
look at it. I mean, Marcus Morris, Marcus Morris is on an expiring contract. Daniel okay. House is on an expiring contract. Tobias who, Harris. No, who are they going to get? Well, like, that's like, a different story. Who they're going to get? I don't. Nobody out there to get. Well, the name you keep hearing is Zach Levine. I don't no, want. Don't that. want him anymore. I don't no. know that I would give up what they would have to for Deontay Murray out of Atlanta. Um, How is he going to fit with Maxi? I would like more of a Bogdanovich, but I think you have to give up a Tobias Harris to get that. And I don't know that then they want to do working. that. Uh, so I'm not sure what it ends up with. Are you okay with this team going into the playoffs as is? If you're excited about a second round exit. Okay. So if you're, you're Daryl Morey, <laughs> your general manager, Doc Rivers will say that you're talking too much about making trades years from now. Uh-huh. Uh, would you make moves to go for it now? Or would you wait for an off season market that seems to be getting smaller by the day? Like you're asking a hypothetical question. We always ask hypothetical. Questions. I know, but you, you want to make people sit there and want to be angry. Look, I'm not a Daryl Morey fan, but people want to make, they want to get angry because you want to make a big splash. There has to be a big splash to make. I don't know who it is that people think will fit so well. Murray sounds like a great solution until you realize he basically plays the position that Maxi plays. Yes. So all you're going to do is stunt Maxi's growth and ability to create. That doesn't make any sense. What you really need is you need a wing. You need a really good wing who can also play defense. That was Robert Covington 10 years ago. Uh, I was going to say, does one of those exist right now? Does one of those exist right now? Yeah, it was Pascal Siakam. That was it. But they didn't seem interested in him at all. Now, they may not have been interested in paying the price of what the Raptors gave up. I mean, the Raptors gave up three first-round picks in that deal, and... Sixers no, may not. You mean have, the Pacers? Or the gave Pacers up. gave right. up to the Raptors in that the deal. Sixers don't have those kind of picks to give up. Well, they do now. They got them back in the trades earlier in the season in the Harden yeah, deal. Yeah, but their picks so far in the future. I, I know that the Pacers took some in the future. I don't think the Sixers had the same ability to make a trade for Siakam that, that the Pacers had. No, it didn't seem like they were even interested, though. Just didn't seem like they were engaged, right? So, so I mean, if you if you could pick five players, forget whether or not they're tra- whether you have the assets to make a trade, who would they be? There's there's not that many people out there that are not the star of their team that are touchable. I would yeah, just I would, aren't. I would there aren't that many at, stars out there. I would probably they're, look at a Memphis where the team has lots of injuries and they they'll be okay. Who, then who do you I don't, want? I don't know. I'm just saying those are the types of teams you have to look at. The teams that are going to fall out of the running and see what but players see, on the roster it's, it's are available. This kind of discussion that leads to people being angry that the Sixers or a team doesn't do anything. That, that my point is is yeah, we all want them to do something, and my I have no doubt that Maury's out there trying to do something. But there may not be anything to do. You may just have to accept that this is this is where they plateau. Because I don't even know, once the season's over, who's out there. There are not that many free agents out there next at the end of the season, except the ones that are currently on the Sixers. Yeah. And basically, everybody on the Sixers is a free agent at the end of the season, except for Joel Embiid, and then Maxie's a restricted free agent. And by the way, you might as well think of Embiid as a free agent because if he's not happy, he's going to force his way out of town anyway. Yeah, but he's likely not going to New York now after they traded for 
Obi Toppin. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> you keep telling yourself that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anything left on basketball before we move on? Oh, congratulations to the Knicks, your owner, finally. <laughs> may, may be gone if, if this keeps up. What? Let's talk about that a little bit, not just that. I mean, owners in sports right now, you have the James Dolan medical situation that's out there. You have... Medical situation? Well, they say that he had basically an overdose is what the report. You're talking were. about Irsay. Yeah, Jim Irsay. Sorry, what yeah, did Dolan, Dolan wasn't a medical Not situation. Not Dolan. I, I, it, no, it, it was I, a handsy situation. Yeah, jo- Dolan has his own yeah. situation. Um, I, you know, we've talked about you've got Tepper down in Carolina. What do these leagues do about some of these owners? I mean, they're very rich people. Can they do anything? I don't. There's a collective bargaining agreement for players. There's not really a collective bargaining agreement for owners. There should be, if you, but you they own a business, and to buy into the business, they should have to buy into a set of rules that are the same as the players that they expect to follow these rules. And somehow they don't. Tepper being the latest example. If 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 an NFL player had done what Tepper had done, the likelihood is that player would have been suspended. Yes. Right. They would not have just gotten a fine of a percentage commensurate with what Tepper got compared to his 50 cents, his net worth. Right. (laughs) He would, that player would have been suspended at least for a game. Tepper got suspended for how long? None. Nothing. And if I were the players union, I'd be furious at that because they should be expected to follow the same way. It's the same thing when, 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 when an NFL player or a player in any league, has a DWI, what happens? They're suspended. Yeah. When an owner that you just mentioned supposedly had that issue, what happened? I don't believe there was a suspension. It happened to him? Yeah, didn't he have a... Did DWI? he get suspended? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. All I know is he complained that 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 he that he the only reason he got stopped was didn't he say didn't he say because he was a white millionaire or billionaire? Uh yeah, prejudice against Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. <laughs> I guess you can't penalize stupidity. No, apparently not. But you should. App- apparently not. Uh we've got about but, but to the NBA's credit, they have gotten rid of owners. Donald Sterling was gone. Yep. I mean they the they, son's they, owner? Yeah, like they gone. And so so the question is will Will Dolan finally be gone? If it's tur- if it turns out that he did what he's been accused of, does the NBA then have the authority and stomach to deal with this fight? Because Dolan, oh, he'll fight every all the owners is not going down without burning burning every bridge he can. Dolan will burn the whole yeah. league down. Actually, the best the best solution they have is to sick Charles Oakley on them. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when we had him on the show and we we kind of alluded to all of that. Yeah, and, and and he wanted to go right into it. <laughs> yeah, he was all about uh, telling it like it was. Uh, so if they get to that point, I'm sure he will volunteer to be the bouncer. <laughs> may have to call <laughs> and see if he wants and to toss him out like a cartoon character. You may have to reach out to him and see if he wants to come back on the show and <laughs> comment about his potential return to MSG. Uh, we've got about six minutes left. I, I got to talk some flyers, man. They're a fun hockey team again. Hockey's uh, fun. I, I mean, hockey's fun in the city. Hockey's fun throughout. I mean, if you look at throughout the NHL, 
there's a lot of fun teams that are out there right now. I mean, look at Vancouver on the other side of the country or the other side of the, the, the continent. You have Winnipeg, you have Boston, you have some, the Rangers, you have a lot of good hockey going on. They're putting out a great product. But hockey- and the Flyers are putting out a great pro- product that nobody anticipated, which makes it even more exciting. Yeah, hockey's more fun when your own team is good. Like, I love hockey. I'll watch any game. I, you know me, I'll watch anything. But when my own The team amazing is thing good, is the Flyers have two really good goalies right now. They do. Erson has been a blessing. Since November 1st, he ranks first in goals against average at 1.90, third in save percentage at 927, and tied for second in shutouts with three. And at the same time, Carter Hart, who's dealt with some health issues, is 12-8-3. He's got a 2.67 goals against average and a 9-12 save percentage. I mean, you don't normally... There are teams that would kill for one goalie that puts up those numbers. You've got a team with two goalies doing that right now. Well, I guess the, I guess now the question is, is will a team that is in contention want to kill so much for Carter Hart that, that maybe they overpay for him? And look, it's and, some and you of it, get the sniper that you need on this team and still have Urson and you still have a goalie over. Isn't there a, a young goalie over in Russia? You know, that if they're going to stick to the plan, I mean, right right now, I believe the Flyers are fourth in the conference. Anybody expect that at this point in the season? No, I mean, they're at the midway point. They swept three games on the West Coast before coming back to play Dallas. And I mean, I had texted you as much as we talk about the goaltenders. Maybe we need to look at the defense. There were six six minutes gone in the second period, and the shots were twenty-one to one. They they went Dallas went an hour and four minutes of actual time from like seven oh eight to eight twelve without getting a shot. So here's the only problem with the Flyers right now: their power play is atrocious. It is still terrible, but they're really good at scoring on the penalty kill. It's the power kill. Is it, so, so I'm going to make a suggestion if anybody from Pico is listening that instead of the Pico power play, the maybe Pico they penalty should spend kill. money on the Pico penalty kill. <laughs> you know who's been going to get a lot more bang for your buck. You know who's been really fun to watch develop is Owen Tippett. Did you see the the move? They all are. Bobby Brink. I mean, you have a bunch of guys. Morgan Frost. You have a lot of young talent that's fun to watch. Where did this come from? Nobody expected this this year. Not yeah, everybody even, was complaining the cupboard was bare. Not Remember even that? the Flyers expected this. I mean, and and you watch the game again. What was the one thing we said before the season started? We wanted relevancy. The building is crowded, and it's not just a corporate crowd. It's like fans who are into the game, and so the atmosphere there is a blast when you watch it. You've been to more games than I have. I've got to take my seven-year-old. He keeps asking me to go to a game. <laughs> He does. I'll take him. Well, enjoy. Well, we're also looking. Okay, we've got like two minutes left. I, I have to ask. Under 30 days till pitchers and catchers. Pitchers and catchers. Are, yep. Are, okay. you feeling, are you feeling warm? Just thinking feeling about. No, no, it's freezing outside. As it snows. It uh, is absolutely freezing. But but you notice I'm in a really good mood, so. Yeah, well, I mean, your team won a national championship. Exactly. The, gl- the glow has not worn off. How long does say, that last for that you aren't grumpy, I Jeff? Don't you're know. happy, Jeff. You've never had know. this before. This, is, this might be the longest you ever saw me have a glow. Yeah, you haven't <laughs> been like a get off my lawn like the whole show pretty much. I know. Aren't we lucky that the Festivus show took place before? I would have had nothing to complain about. I don't believe that. 
I mean, I, I have stuff to complain I, about. I it's, do not it, believe it, that it's, at all. It's, the, it's just a glow. What can I tell you? <laughs> You're glowing. Right. When Harbaugh leaves, I, I might, I'll probably still have a glow. Can I ask you, have the Phillies turned on the stove yet? In the no. hot stove season. Well, look, are well, we just running back there last year? Much for, there wasn't much for them to do unless they were going to get Yamamoto. The pitchers that are out there, uh, uh, anybody who wants to tell me that they should sign Blake Snell to a big deal, I'm going to tell you no. Don't they need If a you look at Blake Snell's stats, I know he's won, what, two Cy Youngs, one in each league. The other years, he's not very good. And by the way, his Cy Young, he's still pitching only five innings. His walk rate is high. He is not a guy that you want to plunk down a boatload of money for. Don't You just don't. I don't need them to sign big names, but don't they need those role players, like another couple arms in the bullpen and stuff like that? Yeah, but, the, but those usually happen towards spring training so once they get there that's when you'll see the the reason that no, if you notice nobody's signing relievers now no. and the reason is is because nobody's going to sign anybody until josh Hader signs once he signs then the market sets itself so haters holding up everybody right now any final thoughts other than haters holding up anybody Haters going to hate. Is that is that what you're trying to say? Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend <laughs> in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.